Hello, everyone. My name is Joanne Lockwood, and I am your host for the Inclusion Bites podcast. In this series, I have interviewed a number of amazing people and simply had a conversation around the subject of inclusion, belonging, and generally making the world a better place for everyone to thrive. If you'd like to join me in the future, then please do drop me a line to joe.lockwood at seachangehappen.co.uk. That's s-e-changehappen.co.uk. You can catch up with all of the previous shows on iTunes, Spotify, and the usual places. So plug in your headphones, grab a decaf, and let's get going. Today is episode 58 with the title, Outright Optimism. And I have the absolute honour and privilege to welcome Lisa Braithwaite. Now, Lisa describes herself as a public speaking coach and trainer who's on a mission to help purpose-driven thought leaders build their visibility, credibility and awareness for their work. When I asked Lisa to describe her superpower, she said, it is the ability to make mistakes and mess up in her presentations and yet still recover like a pro. Hello, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, likewise. We've planned this in for several weeks and it's finally here. The day's finally here. So thank you so much. Lisa, tell me about your outright optimism. Outright optimism. First of all, I will say that I was born this way. So not everybody can necessarily create the level of optimism that I just happen to be lucky enough to be born with. But I just find that I am always able to see the silver lining when something goes wrong. I really can only dwell on it for about a day. And then I'm just back on the bike and going forward again. I just really see a world where people are valued for who they are, seen as contributing members of society no matter what their age or race or gender identity or body shape or size, appearance, sexual orientation, or anything else that is currently feeding so much discrimination and oppression. And I have this optimistic outlook that we are making progress and that we will continue to make progress. I love that. Born this way. That's one of my favorite Lady Gaga songs. <laughs> yep. Baby, I was born this way. And I, I've, I've, I've been in bars and shouted that out at the top of my voice so many times. <laughs> it's such an anthem. So when you, when you said that, I just had this vision of full on Gaga saying, Baby, I was born this way. And yeah, Absolutely. sometimes let's be proud of who we are. And that, yep. uh, as you say, regardless of who, all the characteristics that people like to label people with. Just be yourself. Be that authentic, that authentic person, isn't it? And I've noticed that on social media recently, you've been uh, using this hashtag. This is what professional looks like, haven't you? And because uh, you, you, okay, our listeners can't see your face here today, but you, you, you have a, a a distinct look, and you want to sort of smash that myth that you have to look a certain way to be pro, to be professional. Hmm. Yeah, again, I was born this way. And I do also really identify with that song. Uh, Throughout my life, growing up as a teenager, as a college student, as an adult, I always felt like I didn't really fit in. And a lot of people feel that way for a lot of different reasons. 
I just always felt like a weirdo, a goofball. I've always been really silly. I've always just been uh, just 100% myself. I just have always expressed myself in my own unique way. And even though I went through that, that whole growing up phase where you feel like everybody thinks you're weird and you don't want to be weird. And I used to write things in my journal, like stop being so weird. And I, I would make new year's resolutions to stop being so weird. But at the same time, I would also say I need to be more, more myself. And so I struggled with that, like a lot of people. But as I've, as I got into the professional world, I really started to look around and just think, why am I trying to fit into some thing that is so not me, that the, that's so outdated and let's just say patriarchal and, uh, you know, that really it was something that was created, this word professionalism, something that was created by white cisgender men where people wear ties and suits and and women have a certain kind of hair and wear makeup and heels and and nylons and i just i started questioning that a long time ago but it's only been in the past few years where i just let myself completely i decided i wanted to have pink hair so i now have pink hair and i decided i wanted to shave most of my hair off. So I shaved most of my hair off and I decided I wanted to get back to the fun, bright colors that I used to wear when I was younger. And I just, I just have found myself practicing what I preach. I've been telling my clients for decades, be authentic, be yourself, be fully expressed on stage as a speaker. And I've been writing about it in my blog and I wrote about it in my book. And yet I myself was not as fully expressed as I wanted to be. And it just all came to a head with this hashtag on LinkedIn. This is what professional looks like. I started seeing other people putting uh, pictures of themselves on LinkedIn, changing their profile images to look like who they really are with their pink, purple hair, their tattoos, their natural afros, and and all of these things that people have been sort of hiding and uh, trying, trying to fit in and so not showing who they really are. And so I've been really identifying with those people and creating this fun little community around this is what professional looks like. Mm. Because we're living in a world where we're, we're, we're hyper visible on social media, and this is creating this sort of kind of toxic kind of culture where you have to be perfect. And we're living in the world of of Snapchat, Instagram filters, perfect skin, mm. face app, where we're, we're resculpting our faces and our blemishes to look like almost like the Barbie doll clear sort of image of everything and that's that's really putting pressure on on young women and girls and even people in their older part of their life yeah. to, to conform isn't it and it's that you must have felt that pressure as well I guess well yeah it's interesting that you brought that up because another place that I find myself trying to be more authentic and more real is around my own issues with aging and body positivity in about 10 days, I'm going to be 57. And uh, 
I spend a lot of time on Instagram, which is really where uh, the worst of these filters and the worst of uh, ageism and appearanceism happens. And uh, I started showing, <laughs> making videos and showing pictures of myself with my full body. This was hard for me. And I said, okay, so I, I get on stage and I speak in front of audiences. Obviously, I do this virtually and I do this in person. And when I'm on stage in front of an audience, they see the whole, they see the whole thing. They see my whole body. They see my 57 year old postmenopausal shape, you know? And so I decided I'm going to start putting more full body images and videos of myself. And I'm going to put myself out there and say, this is, I'm 57. This is what I look like. I'm not going to hide it because this is the real me. And I'm not going to say, oh, well, when I've lost 20 pounds, then I'll start making videos. Or when I've, when I've, um, you know, a lot of women went gray over the pandemic and, uh, because they couldn't get their hair colored. And there are a lot, I see a lot of women saying, well, when I get my hair colored, when, when I get back into the salon, I'll start making videos. And I'm just, I'm just 100% against people hiding who they really are and not mm. showing their real selves. So this is another thing that I've been, I've been just promoting with my speaking up for change hashtag, my this is what professional looks, looks like hashtag. This is how you look in the world. Why do you want to try to look like something else when you're on social media and curate this? perfect image when every other day out in the world, you're at the grocery store, you're at meetings with people, you're, you're out in the world looking like what you really look like. So I, this is another big issue for me <laughs> and a personal one where I am trying to face my own challenges and get out of my comfort zone by being okay with showing people what are real 57 year old unfit <laughs> woman looks like. Well, I'm with you. I turned 57 in January this year and I finally admitted I was no longer in my early fifties or my mid fifties. I was in my <laughs> right. later fifties. Yeah. So I kind of owned that rebrand. I'm now, I'm now in my late fifties. I think 57 is kind of, yeah, late fifties. So I'm with you there. And I, when I, at the point when I was gender transitioning five, six years ago, I used to use filters. I used to use photo smoothing. I used to sort of get rid of the blemishes. I'd spend 20 minutes on my photograph before I published it. And I think what I realized was that's who I wanted to be. But then I, then I thought, hang on a minute, I'm transitioning not to be something I want to be, but to be someone who I am. Mm. So I was trying to aspire to this image that I wasn't. And I think the gender dysphoria, the, the body image I issues I had were causing me to want to hide who I was. But then I found that I had to go out into the real world. I had to go to the, the supermarket and go shopping that I had to bring my, my real self into the world. And I think by kidding myself about who I wasn't, uh, it made me less happy rather than more happy. And it creates mm -hmm. this, 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 this thing. And yeah, you, for the, the listeners, you can't, you can't see me, but I had a hair transplant. I've had my second hair transplant now. And as part of that, they shaved my head. So I, I've got a, a, effectively a, a, a grade zero with a week's growth on it at the moment. And I, I went through this phase early on, about last August, 
about the need to wear a wig because I, I wore a wig. I had a top, I had a hairpiece and a weave and all these things. But when I decided I was going to go for the hair transplant, I decided that this is the chance to lose that, that comfort blanket of a, of a wig and just be me. And I, 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 yeah, I, I, I'm privileged. My brain works in that way. I know I can, I can cope with that. But yeah, I did cry when they shaved my head. I cried, I cried. But then I went, don't be silly girl, wakey, wakey. This is you. And I went, <laughs> and I owned it. And when I had the second hair transplant a few weeks ago, I, they said, are you okay if we shave your head? I said, bring it on, bring it on. And, uh, I don't even feel the need to wear a headscarf, um, a hat. Okay, I've been wearing a hat because it's sunny. I don't want to get burnt. But I'm not wearing a hat to cover it or hide it. Uh, it's, it's so liberating because if I yeah. if I was to wear a wig now or a hat now all the time, there would have to come a point where I took it off. At what point am I good enough to take it off? And that was what's going through my head. Rather than get to this point in six months, a year's time, I go, okay, I'm okay now. I can trust myself with that. Actually, every day I live today, I'm one day better. I never have to go backwards. I never have to readjust my body image. I'm always, I'm always getting better. I can style it. I can dye it. I can do whatever I want. So for me, it's very, very empowering just to own my look. Yeah. Big lipsticks like, uh, lipstick like you wear, big chunky earrings, the soul singer look and just go, this is me. And if you want to look at the scars on my head, where I've had the transplant. If it makes you feel like, wow, something's going on here, that's fine. But I'm not scared of it. So I, I'm completely with you. Mm-hmm. Take the wrapper off. Take, take, the, take the filters off. Just be you. The word you used, liberating. That's, that's what I hope people will feel by listening to my message and, you know, by, by kind of, joining this community and joining this conversation. I want people to feel free and liberated and not trapped by some societal expectations, by gender socialization, by the norms that we've all been taught are quote appropriate or quote professional and be- because a lot of the people I work with who are who want to improve their speaking, they are so afraid to bring themselves to the stage, their whole selves. And yet, when we break down those barriers and they do something unexpected, but something that really expresses who they are and and they just get so much joy from doing it, it's exactly what they say. They feel liberated. And why would you not want to feel liberated? Why would you want to feel trapped? I will say that I mentioned gender socialization before, and there are all kinds of socialization that we aren't aware of or we're in denial about. And so talking about these issues of gray hair and not wearing makeup versus not wearing makeup, I know so many women won't even go outside to pick up their mail without their lipstick and their mascara. And when I talk to people about this, they say, oh, well, I enjoy it. I, I, I enjoy it. I do it for myself. And I am inviting people to question that. Are you really doing it for self? Do you really enjoy it? Or do you feel actually a sense of fear 
if you go to the grocery store without your lipstick and your, your mascara, what's actually going to happen? What's going to happen? What are you afraid of? (laughs) Are you doing this now? Granted, people do a lot of things because they like it. And I understand that. I love my lipstick. I love my bright lipstick or lip color or lip balm or lip gloss. I have a, a dozen of them in my purse at all times. I really enjoy it. I don't wear it because, uh, you know, society tells me to. And I'm also happy to go without lipstick and without any color on my lips. And I do that all the time too. I think a lot of us are just unaware of how strong the gender, especially the gender socialization, but all kinds of socialization have been, how how strongly we've been influenced by it. And I just want people to question, mm-hmm. am I doing this because I really love it and want to do it? Or am I doing it because I've been told this is what I'm supposed to do? And when you allow yourself to kind of open your mind and and really look at why you're doing the things you're doing and allow yourself to escape those, those rules and those, you know, uh, prescriptions that have been put on us since we were small children. (sighs) There's that, that breath of fresh air, that freedom that, Oh God, you know why I hated wearing heels. Why did I wear heels every day? I hated wearing heels. (laughs) When you really think about it, (laughs) I really hated it. So that's where I'm, that's where I'm trying to go with this. Yeah. But society says you're not allowed to say you hate heels because that's, that's, that's selling out your gender, isn't it? It's, 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 it's admitting that heels are patriarchal They're They weren't designed by women for women. They were designed (laughs) by other people and uh, selling out and makeup. It's to make ourselves look more attractive and feel more attractive for who? For men. It's not necessarily just about ourselves, is it? It's, uh, I mean, I, I, I confess, you know, I, I've had a hair transplant. So that's like permanent makeup, isn't it? I've yep. also, I've had my, I've had my, my face lasered. So all the hairs removed off my face. So again, that's kind of like, uh, a body modification. And I've also had, uh, I, I have little tiny veins in my cheeks and I've got quite red puffy cheeks and things. I've had those cauterized so I don't end up with puffy red red cheeks anymore. So I have had what you might call permanent makeup uh, applied to me. Uh, But, and I suppose a lot of that is de-aging and uh, I've, I've, I've played into those cards as well. I, I, I needed that for my wellbeing. Um, But now I've had it, I feel as as we used the word earlier, liberated. Um, I'm, I've reset my authenticity, if you like, if I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, and I I don't want to come across as being judgmental of people who do these things. I just want people to really question and and be really mm. clear on why we do the things we do. And if you really feel like you do this, you are fully uh, you know capable of making this decision. Yeah, I I did this because I wanted to look younger, and I'm happy with it, and I like it. And I think we also have to own our own internalized ageism. Uh, old, older people. And we are now, uh, we're closer to 60 than we are 50, which is what I realized when I realized my 57th was coming up. I'm really now officially much closer to 60. I have to constantly look at my own internalized ageism. If we complain about ageism out there in the world somewhere, 
who's contributing to ageism more than people our age who refuse to have gray hair and refuse to have wrinkles and refuse to look actually 57 or 60 or whatever it is. So again, I don't want to judge people who are, who are dealing with their own internalized socialization and ageism. A lot of people have their own internalized racism, their own internalized sexism. We, we have internalized these things against our own selves throughout Mm. our lives. It's just, it's part of our culture, but let's question it. Let's question it. When I find myself talking about my body or my face or my hair or these aspects of aging, am I saying it's bad to get old? I don't want to say that because actually I'm really happy to still be here. Some of us have, you know, a, a lot of people haven't made it to 57. And I have had some experiences where I may not have made it to 57, but I'm here and I'm happy to be aging and I'm happy to still be on the planet and doing what I do. And aging is not bad. And if we're lucky enough, we all do it. So I just invite people to look at their own internalized ageism, sexism, racism, and all these things that we've been taught. Are we contributing to it ourselves? And just be aware of that. I so agree. And yeah, what the saying is, uh, growing old is a privilege denied to many. Yes. And so, yeah, it's, it, by being old is a privilege. The, the fact you've made it that far, the fact you've enjoyed a longer life. And you're right. I think we've set these beauty standards or the, or the societal norms where we see people above a certain age as being less worthwhile because they look old. And we see it in movie stars, TV personalities, where they feel there's a need to use surgery or, or other injections or whatever in order, to, in order to turn back time. And I think there's nothing more beautiful than, than a natural aging face um, that you cannot do with a knife, you cannot do with an injection. It, it, our, our, our brains are wired to spot that difference. And yes, it may help you in the mirror, but it doesn't actually change how other people see you. It, it probably actually it does change how people see you because it, what it does is it, people know that you can tell you've had the process, the procedure, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's very rare that people can have a facelift or a tuck or a Botox without someone noticing. It, it's it's really rare, and I think it's a shame that p- people feel they have to. And I hope I never get to that point where I feel I have to do that. I still. I still think I'm not ever going to get to the point where I feel like I need to do that. However, I will say, uh, you know, my eyelids are very, very saggy now. I I just have this big puffy eyelid on top of, I can't wear eye makeup or not that I, I, like I said, I don't really like makeup, but I can't wear eye makeup. I can't do anything because of these big puffy eyelids. And there's a part of me, you know, that's like, wow, what if I could just get my eyelids back? What if I could get my eye, what if I could, my eyes could be more open looking, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think we all have those questions. What if I could just fix this little thing or that little thing? I just don't want to go down that path. And I'll tell you, I started going gray when I was 28 
And in those days, I was dyeing my hair for fun. I was usually like henna or something. You know, I was dyeing my hair red. I was dyeing my hair for fun. The minute I got a gray hair, I said, oh, hell no. I am not going to be that person who's still dyeing their hair when they're 80. And, you know, I'm I'm low maintenance. I don't want to spend the money. I, I immediately was like, I am not going to start dyeing my hair to try to cover my gray. And I have to give my mom some credit. My mom was always very natural. She aged naturally. She wore makeup when she was younger, but pretty much stopped by her 40s, I think. She went naturally gray, silver. She had this beautiful silver head of hair. And, you know, I've been going gray now for 27, almost 28 years. Oh, what's the math? I said 28, right? I'm going to be 27. Oh, my God. Almost 29 years I've been going gray. And I'm not there yet. And I'm actually kind of annoyed with it because I saw these women let all their silver hair grow out over COVID. And they're just these beautiful full heads of silver and white hair. And I'm looking at myself. I still have so much brown hair. (laughs) But I, you know, I let myself, I let that go 29 years ago, the hair thing. I'm like, you know what? I am, I just, I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to be high maintenance. I just don't want to have to do that. And um, then I found, oh, you can actually dye your hair blue or green or pink or purple. And I thought, well, this is a fun way to color my hair without like actually covering my silver because it's just a temporary. And so now I have all these great silver highlights and a pink kind of a sheen over it. But, you know, it's it's this ongoing, this ongoing question. It, am I okay with? How I look, am I okay with aging as uh, in a natural way? Am I okay with people knowing I'm 57? Am I okay with looking like a woman looks as she ages? And because our society tells us, no, it's not okay. I still struggle with it, even though I'm totally against all the, all the hiding and the fixing and the, you know, trying to look like something you're not. I'm against all that. for myself. But at the same time, I can't help but wonder, wow, what if I did just fix my eyes? You know, I know I'm not going to do it. But I can't help. It's nice to have a makeup. It's nice to have a makeover occasionally, isn't it? I've I've done some filming recently for some uh, training material. And the the company was doing the filming booked a a makeup artist for me. And I love spending an hour in the chair, having my face done, having my hair done. Uh, and it was a wonderful hour in the same way having my nails painted is a, it's a great way to just take time out for yourself you can't do anything else you can't really even play with your phone if you just got to sit there just to take that time that hour of of me time and, and I, that's that's how i look at the nail salon look at the makeover times have my hair whatever yeah. you're doing it's it's really unequivocal me time and i think oh. that's with a, with a with the beautification as well. Yeah, I had that same experience in December. I filmed a course professionally and same thing, had a makeup artist, full face of makeup. She actually did my hair better than I can even do my hair. I did tell her that I have problems with eye makeup because of uh, allergies. My eyes are always running and watery and itchy. 
So I said, I really, really couldn't do eye makeup, but she did put some mascara and, you know, and I posted this picture all over social media and I'm like, check me out with a full face of makeup. I mean, look, I looked amazing. I'm not uh, right. I'm not blind. I looked amazing with that full face of makeup, but I don't, I don't want to look like that every day. That's me with a full face of makeup. I just want to look like me every day. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's like, it was like kind of a work of art. You know, I kind of looked at it like, wow, this is what I look like when somebody paints on all the right things on my face and makes my face look like it would look if it were perfect. Right. But it's not. And I'm okay with that. But I also thought, wow, this is like this canvas that somebody decorated in a way that is, mm. uh, hey, I mean, it's pretty, it was pretty gorgeous. Uh, but again, that's not what I look like. I don't want to have to look like that to go to the grocery store, to go to the mailbox, to uh, get on a Zoom meeting. I just don't want to have to do all that all the time. And uh, because it's not really what I look like. So it was fun. It was fun. Like you said, I just sat in the chair and I got pampered yeah. and I came out of it looking crazy gorgeous. But I think I'm crazy gorgeous already. I'm just going to say I'm crazy gorgeous without the makeup. And I was crazy gorgeous in a different way with the makeup. <laughs> hmm. I've never called myself think, crazy, crazy my gorgeous own. before, by the way. That's the first time you're hearing it right here for the first time on Joe's show. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's let's go with that. Crazy gorgeous. I love that too. I think. Well, I think you're crazy gorgeous. So why not? Thank you. Um, COVID, I think, broke a lot of these mantras, didn't it? The I, I know many many friends who have ditched the heels, as we were talking about. They're wearing trainers. They're not, they're not carrying the heels in the bag anymore and putting them on at the office. They're just staying in their trainers yeah. because I, I guess we're still working hybrid. We're not in the office every day doing things I, mean, I i like you i speak on stage I, I stand up in front of rooms and train people and i i've just got comfortable with my my converse or my my, my vans or something I, i've got lots of different colors that match my tights or match my outfit so yeah i, I have a brand of, of trainer color that i wear with something else and uh and to me that's part of, of you know as as you put with your hashtag here yeah, this is also professional if you like uh, it we can spend what 200 bucks on a pair of jeans and people uh, and then they become professional you spend 10 bucks on a pair of jeans from walmart and then suddenly they're, they're not professional so it, it's just that <laughs> it's just that 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 perceived wealth thing you know steve jobs or uh tim cook or, or elon musk and walk around in a pair of jeans and trainers and he's cool um, because that's kind of the irony of coolness, isn't it? And uh, so you, you've got to, we've got to break these, these sort of unofficial rules that people have created. And, but that still exists in corporate America, corporate Britain, corporate Europe. Uh, the tie culture or the suit culture or the, the dress culture, I do it, so therefore you should do it almost, isn't it? Is that sort yeah. of the meritocracy is that this is how we all behave, this kind of, affinity bias, similarity bias we all have. Yeah, I think uh, you made a good point about the the women wearing uh, sneakers on stage now. And, and I have been blown away myself seeing some of my own professional speaker friends in a really sort of glamorous 
a stage appropriate dress with sneakers. I never thought I would see this. I, I never thought I would see this from people who are still dressing fairly traditionally and conservatively, but the shoes have changed. And I think that those of us who have the privilege to do this should be the ones to lead the way <laughs> and open the doors for everyone else. And, and this is again, part of that. This is what professional looks like campaign is I'm asking the people who, and I mean, people, it's not like I'm the only one saying this. There's a whole community of people who are out there saying this, showing pictures of yourself with your, with your visible tattoos showing pictures of yourself with your non straightened hair. I mean, I now I've I've I know that black women for for a long time have been straightening their hair because they were told that their natural hair, the way it grows or natural hairstyles that black women like are considered unprofessional. What I didn't know is that white women have been told curly hair is unprofessional. White women have been straightening their hair because they've been told curly hair is unprofessional. I didn't even know that. So I've been learning so much about different groups and different, uh, you know, different um, people, what they've been told is or isn't professional. And I think for those of us who can, because our jobs are not at risk, because we're self-employed or whatever it is, we work for a company that ha that is open-minded and inclusive. I think the more of us who can show ourselves in the workplace, on the stage, whatever it is, doing the thing we do, challenging these norms, I think we're the ones that are going to open the doors for everyone else because we decide what's professional. We need to decide. We can't have hmm. some vague notion again of this quote patriarchy. The patriarchy isn't a person. It's an institution, but there are individuals inside of companies and in workplaces. It's individuals who can make these decisions and who can speak up for change. So the more of us who get out there and say, look, I'm uh, I'm a I'm an attorney. I'm a judge. I'm a you know again. These are privileged people, and I get that. But people who are in these visible privileged places, the more we can open doors, people will be able to follow. the The other privileged people will stop keeping the doors closed, right? For the mm. people coming up behind. I don't know if I made that sound right, but. Um, I just feel the like the visibility is such a big part of it. Do, do you think people have got used to appearing on camera over over COVID, you know, the Zoom calls, the team calls? Because I remember going back sort of 24 months or wherever it was, I forget how long ago in the past it was now. In the early days, there was a lot of reluctance to to put your camera on. People were paranoid about their backgrounds, their washing piles, their their <laughs> messy kitchens. Do you think people have, have kind of lost that anxiety or do you think there's still a bit of that re reservedness there? I still see a little bit of it. I think there are a lot of people who still managed to get away with not having to be on camera a lot. And I think there is still some anxiety and I'm seeing it. 
again, as a speaker, trainer, or coach, it's my job to make my participants feel comfortable. So I always invite them and say, I, I would like you to be on camera uh, for your own accountability, for the collaboration and bonding and connection of everybody in this group, for me to see a human face so I'm not talking into the void. At the same time, I understand if you are not in a place that you're comfortable showing on camera because you only have this one location and it's at your kitchen table with 30 dishes in the background. I fully understand that. I, you know, I'm trying to be welcoming and open to, I don't care if you've showered today. I don't care if you did your hair or put on makeup or if you're wearing a sweatshirt. And at the same time, I understand if for some reason you're in an uncomfortable position and you don't want to be on camera or you, uh, I mean, there are a lot of people who just don't have enough bandwidth. You know, they, they're, they live in some remote rural area and they have terrible internet access. And if they leave their camera on, that's going to make their experience less effective. I try to take all of this into account why people might feel uncomfortable. I try to let them know that we're all, I mean, this is my thing, right? Let's be real. Let's be authentic. This is what I teach and train and speak and coach on. So uh, I, I'm going to encourage you to show up as your whole full self on camera. There's still a lot of people who aren't comfortable with it and it's okay. I'm still doing my part to invite people to get out of their comfort zone and do it anyway, not everybody's there yet. Yeah. There was this gold, there was the infamous golden rule, which is always dress one notch above your audience. <laughs> is, is that, is that, is that something we, we're still doing? Do you think, do you think that rule still applies or is it? Did I'm you actually how see I feel. my post about this? I may have, I may, I did see that the other day, but did I'd already see, heard yeah, that statement I, in the I past. I yeah. actually wrote about this just maybe two days ago on LinkedIn. And of course yeah. I made a video because I've been enjoying Instagram reels. I'm having a lot of fun making Instagram reels and then writing a serious post that goes with it. Oh, I've been watching them. I've been watching some of them. Yeah. No, fascinating. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I did write this the other day and uh, I, I have particular issues with that concept of, of, uh, you know, dressing one level above your audience, because I don't feel like that's even accurate anymore. I don't know that we have levels. And um, what I talked about in the article is how we used to say, uh, you know, basically, your options are dress, you know, for business, dress business casual, or dress casual, like those are the only three things. And what we're starting to see is that there are so many variations. There's a, there's a, a, a spectrum of how people dress and it's based on so many things, your age, your culture, your, your industry, your company, the season, just all these different aspects of your background and who you are and who your company is and who your industry is that I just don't think we can say there are three ways you can dress anymore. Mm. So what I like to look at is, yes, how will my audience be dressed? 
So if I'm speaking at a conference, I will ask the organizer and they'll say maybe, oh, you know, we're encouraging business casual at this conference. Okay, some people might consider business casual a polo shirt and khakis, right? That's kind of the traditional male version of business casual. Women have a little more flexibility. So then for me, I think, okay, what's my version of business casual? <laughs> you know, I can still show up in my big earrings. I'm still going to have my pink hair poofed up into like a, a surfer wave. I'm still going to wear bright colors, but I might be a little more casual in my own, in my own look. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of saying you should still balance what your organizer wants with who you are as a person. You still need to bring your own style, your own personality, your own vibe to your presentation. And so if they tell you business casual and, uh, you know, a polo shirt and khakis is not your thing, don't wear a polo shirt and khakis. So I, you know, I, I, and I, and I don't believe in dressing necessarily when they say above your audience anyway, I believe in bringing your full expressed self to the engagement in a way that enhances your message. And that might be how you dress also enhances your message. So don't show up in an evening gown if everyone is in, you know, business suits, uh, but try to try to balance what your organizer is expecting of you in the audience with who you are as a, a fully self-expressed person. Yeah, I, I, that's brilliant. I, I, I was reminded as you were talking there about a client I had uh, probably about a year ago. I was doing some consultancy work for them, all remote, all online. And I was having a chat with my contact there ahead of the board meeting that I was going to come present my my findings to the board. And I just thought, out of respect, I'd just say, what's typically the dress code of the board on these virtual meetings? Am, am I am I going to bother putting some makeup on and, 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 a, and a posh frock? Or, or am I just going to sit here in my T-shirt? She said, thank you so much for asking. I was, I was going to mention it to you that I thought you should dress a little bit better. I thought, cheeky. A little bit better like, than I, you were in that yeah. meeting. Oh. I was, I was, probably, I was probably wearing a t-shirt. It wasn't. I mean, <laughs> it, it was probably a black t-shirt or something. I tend, I don't tend to sit in front of a camera in my in my in my home office in anything but uh, maybe a skirt, hey. maybe a pair of leggings, maybe a t-shirt or something. Um, that was not, cheeky. No one asked to see me, so I, 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 I did. I put some lipstick on and a bit of makeup, and I and I, I put a dress on. Um, just, I think I'll probably just put it over the top of my T-shirt, to be honest. Um, uh, and then I turned up, and everybody, all these board members were all in a variety of, you know, I think one was in a polo, one was in a T-shirt, one was, and there was this complete randomness of, of dress code. And I thought, I should have just been me. I, I didn't need to I didn't need to worry. But I, I think this plays into this, I call it bias by proxy. It's not me, it's them. I, I'm okay with what you're wearing, but I, I, you always got this nervousness about introducing me to to your friends because I, I don't fit their norm, and you're almost embarrassed to introduce me, sort of thing. And I think that that it was almost like that. And I, I, I thought afterwards, I thought, yeah, I, I'm not going to do that anymore because I, I've re also realized in life that 
and maybe again, this is a, me speaking from a position of privilege, that not everyone's going to like me. There are people who are going to embrace me, love me for who I am, how I dress, how I show up, my deep voice, my short hair at the moment. And some people just embrace me as a woman, and that's fine. But there are other people who get really, really confused by it, and it goes against everything in their psyche, and they're not going to engage with me. So why do I have to worry about people who don't want to talk to me? I've got plenty of people who do want to talk to me. Yeah. And what, how I dress doesn't really, or the, sort of the quality of how I dress doesn't impact my likability. So I've kind of learned now that um, having spent 50 odd years of my life wearing suit and ties, and spend the latter seven years of my life wearing dresses, I've kind of broken that sort of social norm anyway that people have had to get their head around. So, yeah, it's, it's immensely liberating, empowering, all those words we've used already tonight. And, uh, sorry, for, for me it's tonight, for you it's, uh, it's, it's lunchtime. Lunchtime. Uh, <laughs> being on the West Coast of the US. So, you right. know, just put some context into this. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think we, we do get so hung up and because we want to be liked, we want to impress, we want to be seen as valuable by, and our clothes add that value for some reason, you know, the right watch, the right shoes, the right car. I can tell you exactly why that is. Uh, this is what I tell my clients. We are social animals. Mm-hmm. We, we, we fancy ourselves, you know, so far above animals because we have these big logical brains and we've evolved to this certain degree, but we are still animals. We still have those internal protective mechanisms that, that keep us part of the group, right? Because as social animals, we rely on the group, the herd, the pack. We rely on that group for our security and our safety. This is how humans evolved over time. Now, you do you pull yourself out of that social group by looking different, by sounding different. I mean, just getting up on a stage in front of people, getting in front of an audience, it... Uh, Now you are vulnerable to not just the lions who might see you and you're separated from the herd. So first of all, the lions can see you and the lions can eat you. But you're also putting yourself out in front of the group in a way that you might be shunned, rejected, ostracized. And the worst thing that can happen to a human is to be put into isolation and have no group and have no protective community. So it's an absolutely biological need we have to be part of the group. And when people say, when people say, oh, I'm afraid of, you know, public speaking, or I'm afraid of, or I, you know, I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to put myself out there. It's about being judged and criticized and possibly ostracized. I mean, that's really what it's about. And when when we talk about people judging, I look at this as really like, I, I just use this expression, it's like dogs sniffing butts. Okay. So Joanne, you're out in the world, you're walking around looking like Joanne. People are looking at you and they're deciding, is Joanne my kind of people? Would I like Joanne? Would Joanne like me? Could Joanne be part of my group? 
And we are constantly making those judgments all the time because we want to know, are you part of my pack? Are you part of my herd? Are, are you dangerous? Are you safe? And so that's normal. It's natural. It's biological. But because we're human and we have these big logical brains, we can actually then look at those thoughts and look at those attitudes and say, okay, I see where I'm jumping to a conclusion or I can see where I have a bias here. And is that legitimate? Right. So we have the biological urge to judge and to all these things because we want to, we need to connect. We need to stay part of the crowd and part of the, the herd. But we also have the ability to step back and actually look at our thoughts and our attitudes and beliefs and figure out where did this come from and is it legitimate? So I, I'm, I'm sniggering to myself now because I'm thinking, I actually don't want half the world sniffing my butt. <laughs> so I'm actually quite comfortable being seen as different in that way. Yeah. I, I don't know about you. I, I've, I reckon I've had far more interesting conversations with a far more diverse group of people since I've been visibly different uh, from the, from the norm. Um, there are, there are people who want to associate with you because you're different, because you're not the norm, because maybe it unlocks an inner desire of their own. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, I don't know if you find it, if you're in a big event, there's always the the, the, the stereotypical suited and booted and posh crowd. And then there's the ragtag and bobtails on the outskirts. And the ragtag and bobtails, you know, the diversity table, tend to have more fun you know we're, oh, sitting yeah. there, we're laughing we're enjoying it we're let our, our, our hairs down our, our guards down we've, we've, we're just being that authentic and i say i've i've just had far more interesting and engaging conversations with people for and being that's me. exactly it we yeah. found our crowd we found our herd right because i feel safe and comfortable and connected in a herd of people like you and like me who are living kind of fully expressed, living out loud, as they say, yeah. I feel that's my herd. That's my safe space. And so I think we are still sniffing butts. We are, but we're now we're sniffing butts to look for the people who actually look different from each other <laughs> rather than the people yeah. who all look alike. <laughs> you know, um, I think we still are looking for our herd and our community. I mean, again, I talk about this on LinkedIn all the time that this is what professional looks like has become a community, a community of ragtag. What did you say? Ragtag. Uh, ragtag and bobtails. Yeah. Ragtag, ragtag and, and bobtails and, and, you know, uh, you know, outsiders and, but the, the more the ragtag and bobtail outsiders and weirdos and goofballs come together, the more we, and I don't want to say we create that as its own, as a norm, because, Everybody has their own uniqueness. Everybody has their own weirdness and goofballness on the inside. It's just that they're not showing it. So I would say the norm would be let's create a new norm of personal self-expression. Whether or not you're weird or whether or not you have crazy hair or whatever it is, is not really the issue. Are you fully expressing yourself as the person that you really are and the person that you really want to be? It doesn't mean you have to go and 
make your hair pink or, or stop straightening your hair or stop wearing suits even just who do you really want to be? Can you fully express that personality, that style, that vibe when you're at work, when you're on a stage, et cetera, that's that liberating feeling we're talking about. (laughs) Or maybe you still want to wear a suit and a tie, but you want your suit and tie to be, uh, you know, bright orange and bright green. Like I, I've been watching the replays of Better Call Saul, rewatching the old seasons because the new season of Better Call Saul just started. And I love his style. And he goes from wearing suits and ties to wearing suits and ties. <laughs> but the new suits and ties are bright colors and they, you know, they fit his personality and his style. So again, you don't, you don't have to make huge changes. The, the goal is to feel liberated and to feel free and like you really are expressing yourself the way you want to in the world. Indeed. And if anyone who's listening is, is wondering about the reference of Ragtag and Bobtail, it was, my, my reference came from a children's uh, TV program it, when I was very young, probably just caught the end of it. It's probably, I think it was broadcast on BBC in the 1950s and early 1960s. So just, just, probably a bit before my time but it, it, it's it's quoted in samuel peeps's diary and shakespeare a bobtail is a, is a horse's tail cut short right. uh, a tag is a bit of ripped clothing on a, on a hook or something so it's 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 kind of meant to be that kind of scruffy raggy taggy sort of um non-conforming um sort of uh, people or whatever so yeah it's a kind of a, uh, a bit i suppose originally it was more of a slur but now i, I just think it's a a kind of an interesting expression meaning kind of flotsam and jetsam of people sort of thing um, it's when you address it's when you uh address the bad things that people have said about you <laughs> and you you uh, you accept it as your own right you take it mm-hmm. on as your own uh your own description and uh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, calling myself yeah. a weirdo or whatever it is, it's just, uh, I, I'm a weirdo. I own it. And uh, I mm. like to own, I like to take back those words that used to be slurs and, uh, you know, and make it my own. Yeah. I feel, I feel the same about the word queer. I, okay. Again, I, I have the privilege of not, of not having grown up in a world where that was used against me. As a, as a as a slur or a pejorative term or an insult, so I have the luxury of, of maybe coming to that word later in life. But it kind of it means it to me. It just means I don't have to live by a predefined rule. I, I can I can choose to dip in and dip out of social constructs or social norms, and where I need to and feel like it. And I noticed the title of your book is um, well, as I mentioned your book while we're here is around uh, ditching perfection, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the, the, what would they say is perfection is the enemy of of good enough or getting it done, isn't it? And that's the yeah. I actually the use, so I use the expression in my book: perfection is the enemy of authenticity. Hmm. We're so, we're so busy trying to please others or or chase this ideal that we forget maybe sometimes the purpose. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that because so many people who. And I kind of mentioned this before about people not wanting to get on video because they need to lose weight or, I mean, they perceive that they need to lose weight or they, they need to get their hair colored or their teeth are crooked 
or or they uh, they haven't had enough time to create the perfect presentation or whatever it is. And there's just no such thing as perfect, first of all. And you can keep waiting to get ready, to get ready, to get ready and never be ready. And at some point, you just have to put yourself out there. And so the, the subtitle, Ditch Perfect, uh, Insights for Speakers on Ditching Perfection and Creating Connection, is all about the fact that your audience just wants to relate to you. You need to be approachable and accessible and a real human being that your audience can relate to so that they can actually take your message and go run with it. If you present yourself as somebody who's up on this pedestal and you're so far ahead of your audience and so perfect and so fabulous that your audience could never possibly achieve what you've achieved, how is that helpful? How is that helping Mm. them? So yeah, I'm all about showing up, making mistakes, uh, screwing up, just (laughs) being myself and and letting uh, letting people see the real the real me amen to that amen to that i've i've noticed when i was was looking through your website earlier there's a lot of lot of resources so your website is coachlisab.com if i'm right yep and you've got a lot of resources on there for people who want to improve their speaking um also, in addition, you you, you, you obviously, obviously offer coaching, but there's a free ebook on there, isn't there, uh, which people can download and read. There is 21 Tips to Immediately Improve Your Presentations is my free ebook. And it includes little tips like some of the things we've been talking about and other more technical tips about speaking. And that is absolutely free. I also have a blog with over 1,500 blog posts on it. So that is called Speak Schmeek. And um, that is <laughs> that uh, is where my book actually came from. About 60 posts from my blog uh, turned into my first book. I say first book because I have enough posts on there. I could probably write 10 books. I just haven't yet. We've all got a book in there somewhere, haven't we? Yep. And some of us have two books or three books. So, yep. Ah, brilliant. So, I'm sure our guests would love to get in contact with you. So, apart from your your website, coachlisab.com, uh, C O A C H L I S A B.com, um, how else can people get in contact with you? The two places on social media where I spend the most time are LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. So on Instagram, I'm Coach Lisa B. I'm pretty much Coach Lisa B everywhere. I'm also Coach Lisa B on uh, LinkedIn. I mean, my link is literally Instagram.com slash Coach Lisa B and LinkedIn.com slash I think there's in in and then slash Coach Lisa B. So you can generally find me at Coach Lisa B everywhere. And I enjoy kind of bringing the the various parts of my personality to LinkedIn and Instagram, which are completely different kinds of platforms. And I am enjoying myself immensely on both. So please come and connect with me and join the Speaking Up for Change. And this is what professional looks like community, especially on LinkedIn. That's where uh, that's where this is really flying high right now. Yeah, and we're, we're connected, and I, I can vouch for the fact that I'm seeing these posts. 
I've wandered onto onto Instagram as well, looking at some of the stuff you're posting on there. And yeah, it's you're you're walking the talk completely. So yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And right. you've, you're building a community of other people who are uh, resonating and echoing your thoughts, which is which is absolutely fantastic. And it's been a a real pleasure to uh, to chat with you today. I can't believe we're wow, fifty nine minutes. We've been yakking away, and I'm I'm sure like. I'm sure we could have carried on for another couple of hours. And probably. We had, we had probably half an hour in the green room before we pressed the record button. And uh, no <laughs> doubt we'll probably have a, another 10 minutes after we, after we stop. So no, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, so thank you, Lisa. And thank you also to the listeners uh, for tuning in, for getting to the end. Please do subscribe. You know, uh, if you want to keep in touch, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other platforms uh, to keep updated on future episodes of the Inclusion Bites podcast. That's B-I-T-E-S. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues, please share this. I've got another number of other exciting guests lined up that I'm sure you'd be also be inspired by over the next few weeks and months. And of course, if you'd like to be a guest, then please do let me know. You can drop me a line to joe.lockwood at cchangehappen.co.uk. Let me also know if there's any ways I can improve future shows. And finally, all it is to say is my name is Joanne Lockwood and it's been an absolute pleasure to host this podcast for you today. I look forward to next time. Thank you. Bye.